Hello, everyone. This is David Douthat. This is Molly Douthat. And welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today's podcast will cover the lectionary selections for the fourth Sunday in Lent, Year A. In 1 Samuel, the prophet anoints God's chosen king on his eighth attempt. Paul offers a wake-up call in Ephesians 5. John tells a long story about Jesus healing a man born blind, plus Psalm 23. Multiple intelligence theory lets us see with new eyes how God is working in these familiar texts. Let's go see what happens. We've established this podcast based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, we develop illustrations and special effects for the weekly readings of the Revised Common Lectionary. They use various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. We call them word smart, eye smart, math smart, body smart, music smart, nature smart, people smart, and self smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage. As we read and reflect on the scripture passages for each week, we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Anytime and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We are glad to have you with us in the uh, post-apocalyptic world (laughs) (laughs) or mid-apocalyptic. I don't know. We don't know yet. We don't. It's still playing out. So uh, we did want to start off just recognizing the odd situation in which we find ourselves in these days in uh, the midst of the pandemic of COVID-19. Uh, In our circumstances, uh, my church has closed for the duration here, and we are doing doing our services online, which was interesting. uh, (laughs) Did about a half hour. You discovered who is technologically challenged, didn't you? Yes, not everybody is familiar with it. Uh, the platform that we chose, and it didn't work perfectly, but uh, uh, wasn't too bad, wasn't too bad. And um, we're going to be making use of that more and more. And uh, it's it's very odd, all of this. Yeah. And for those of us who have congregations who are still continuing to meet, if you're like me, you're really ambivalent about that. I can think of several people who are not worshiping with us right now because of health reasons, and it really bothers me that we are continuing to gather and potentially expose them because of contact. Yeah, I'm really struggling with that one. It's it's hard. Uh, we we found out that we have a couple family members who are sick. And uh, that they don't, we don't know whether it's necessarily COVID 19, but it's very probably, likely that it is. Yeah, yeah. They Not haven't saying been tested. that it's COVID 19, mm-hmm. but it's probably COVID 19. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that Which makes that me makes wonder if real. we've been sick. Uh, yeah, well, I had a sudden runny nose a couple weeks ago. Well, and the, the runny nose doesn't seem to be the yeah, thing. Yeah, one of them is. It is one of the symptoms. A, a running nose, sneezing, headache, body aches, essentially the flu. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It's hard to tell if the heat that I experience from time to time is fever or just that I'm 55. Yeah, well. (laughs) I think it's that I'm 55. It could be that. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, uh, we we wish you well in trying to navigate these waters. And um, we wanted to just recognize that this is going on. And you may not even be doing worship. Uh, I've heard of a couple churches that aren't, and so this may be moot, uh, what we're about to talk about with the texts. But we're going to keep doing it anyway, um, and because we know there are folks who listen that aren't preachers, too, mm-hmm. and they get something out of it as well. Mm-hmm. So we're glad to have all our listeners uh, mm-hmm. in whatever stripe. And uh, so we're going to keep doing this, and we wanted to offer a prayer uh, in the midst of all of this. And Molly found one that uh, we both liked and want to share that. It's called Prayer for a Pandemic. It was written by someone named Cameron Wiggins Baleem. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I found it on Facebook. It was shared on Facebook. It goes like this. May we who are merely inconvenienced remember those whose lives are at stake. May we who have no risk factors Remember those most vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when their schools close remember those that have no options. May we who have to cancel our trips remember those who have no safe place to go. May we who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market Remember those who have no margin at all. May we who settle in for a quarantine at home remember those who have no home. As fear grips our country, let us choose love during this time when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other. Let yet us find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbor. Amen. Amen. Wishing you all good health and grace and peace. All right, let's go on to the texts. The gospel lesson for year A, Lent 4, is John 9, verses 1 to 41. (laughs) Another long one. Another really long passage. It's the man born blind receiving his sight from Jesus. So this this is... uh, a passage that is not so much about healing. Uh, it, the healing is a relatively small part of the text, so, but mm-hmm. everything else is theological debate about what it means. So the, even the disciples start off with uh, who who sinned that this man was born blind? And mm-hmm. Jesus says, nobody. nobody. It's not about that. It's about the glory of God. And so he makes mud with some spit and puts it on the man's eyes, sends him to wash, and goes his way. The man comes back able to see, and everyone's like, who is Is that the guy? Yeah, that's it. No, that can't be the guy. (laughs) No, really, it's the guy. It's like, I'm the guy. 
<laughs> and uh, so they take him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are like, what's going on with this? And he tells them what happened. And it's like, well, that can't be right. He broke the Sabbath. And so, well, I don't know, but I can see. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's crap. That, <laughs> <laughs> that can't be right. Surely you must be a – and they, you know, they argue. You know, as you're talking, this yeah. really sounds like a Monty Python sketch. It could be. Or a Saturday I mean, li- Night Live sketch. Yeah. There's a lot of comedy in this. Yeah. And um, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be maybe read. Maybe it is. You know, I don't know. But they – they bring the parents in. Is this the guy? Yeah, that's yeah, our son. Yeah, that's our son. And how did he come to? We don't we know. We don't know. Maybe and that's our son. You ask you, him. You ask him. Yeah. I don't know. Right? We and, don't want to get involved in this. And they ask him again. He's like, oh, well, no, I told you. Do, why do you want to know? Do you want to be his disciples? It's like, <laughs> uh, and they say bad words to him. And, well, it doesn't say that, but I can imagine. And uh, and they drive him out of the synagogue, and Jesus goes and finds him and says, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he's like, sure, who's that? And it's like, well, it's me. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, So this is the second time in our gospel readings, actually really the third time, if you consider Jesus revealing himself to Nicodemus in that kind mm-hmm. of sideways sort of way. Yeah. Third time Jesus has revealed himself as the anointed one yeah. in, oh, in John's gospel. Yeah. And uh, specifically and explicitly to the woman at the well, right. now here to this man, kind of tucked around it sort of with Nicodemus. Yeah. And implicitly with the uh, uh, water into wine. Right, 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 right. So, which is not part of the lectionary. Uh, no, it's not this stretch. Yeah, but, but it's yeah. in John. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it goes on beyond chapter 41, but surely that's enough. <laughs> you mean verse 41? Yeah. You said chapter 41. Oh, sorry, It just yeah. seems like 41 it chapters. It does, yeah. <laughs> kind of like the last week feels like five years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, that's that's what's going on. Now, we're doing this live again, mm-hmm. and uh, so no idea what's happening, uh, what's about to happen. But um, let's find out. Right. So, well, I do notice we tend to, when we when we work on these passages, we have a worksheet in front of us that has the scripture passage uh, on right. on the computer Which screen. Which you in all front know because we talk about it every week, right? right? And you and all download those every sure. week too, right? Yeah. And so when you download them, you see that these things are like rainbows sometimes because we have different colors that we use to code different intelligences, and sometimes certain phrases and passages have several different colors on them because they can fit in different intelligences. I noticed this week, though, David, that you have gone through and you have underlined a lot of things. Why don't you talk about what you underlined well, I, and why? There are, starting with uh, verse 12, when they the people around are asking, is this the guy? And he says, yeah, I'm the guy. What happened? Well, this guy, Jesus, did this. And they say, well, where is he? And he says, I don't know. And from that point on, people are saying, I know, we know, I don't know a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And so I went through and underlined the ones that I could find. And there was one that's kind of on the edge. The last one is a surely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which sort of implies yeah, knowledge. Yeah. Right? Um, so there's this sense, because what Jesus says at the end is, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But if you say we see, your sin remains. Mm-hmm. And um, 
uh, you know, this idea that if you cling to this sense that you've got it right, then you're almost certainly wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, and boy, doesn't that play out in our lives a lot? Doesn't it? Yeah. So I don't know what intelligence that is. I mean, yeah, you're self-smart a- there because you're telling yourself. I know this. Um, I know or, this. I don't know this. Right. Right. Um, allowing for the possibility of of being wrong would mm-hmm. be a certain very self smart. Yeah. Right? Definitely self smart. Um, it's kind of some people smart in there too, because there's right. knowledge being passed back and forth and being rejected, being passed back and forth. So there's some uh, relationship and communication that you find in people smart. There might yeah. be even some. Would there be math, math smart, smart in that? Maybe information because yeah, yeah, we. I mean, we throw logic. a lot of that logic sort of thing. Yeah, and, and what Jesus is saying is um, certainly uh, what's the word I want? Uh, paradoxical. Well, not quite paradox. It, well, it is kind of paradoxical, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what's the word you want. It's that. that My mind. It's that word. <laughs> okay. Um. Go ahead. Counterintuitive. So, ah, there you go. There it is. There Counterintuitive. You go. Anyway, I don't know what to do with that either, right. except uh, going through and pointing it out. Now, you might, you could um, do a musical cue on it or Ooh, something. Oh, there's a good, yeah. That so would be there's awesome. a music cue. The music or smart. A, you know, mm-hmm. hold up a sign for it if you mm-hmm. want an I, I word mm-hmm. kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, those are just ideas that we put on a lot of different texts. But, mm-hmm. um, it's a way of pulling that in. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. yeah, because it's a highlight. Well, especially if you do a musical cue, because then you see how many times the word shows up. Yeah. And and it would also be interesting to do a word study, you know, being a word nerd here, mm-hmm. go to the Greek, find out what word for no is being used here and what oh, other yeah. ways it might be used. Does yeah. it really mean no as an information and cognitive ability mm-hmm. or is it sort of more of a uh, an instinct, uh, uh, a, a perception kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. So there's that. I mean, there's such a long passage. <laughs> And, you know, the idea of, of light and darkness in John. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could play with the lights in the sanctuary, maybe, except you're probably not meeting in right, the sanctuary. Right. So if you're doing it online, you could, I don't know. <laughs> turn your own lights on and off. <laughs> turn your camera on and off and you, if you're video conferencing. Uh, yeah. Shine a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is going to get really weird. Yeah, I, it is. Because um, a lot of the things that we recommend for Ill, specifically for special effects are things that are done in the context yeah. of your worship service. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you might need to be, if, if you're going to continue to follow this idea and use a special effect, you're going to need to figure out how to do it on camera. Yeah. Per, or, yeah. you know, in, in, include or in your podcast. Uh-huh. Right. Um, Which is what your worshiping experience is going to become. Congratulations, all you preachers, you know, yeah. podcasters. Welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, I did look at some uh, commentary prior to doing this this afternoon. And uh, at Christian Century, there's an essay from Barbara Brown Taylor that she wrote, or that was published in the April 2014 issue. It's called Light Without Sight. And she talks about a particular person named Jacques Le Serien. 
I'm sure I mispronounced that, but he was a blind French resistance fighter mm. who talked about his experience with his own blindness. Um, he was born sighted, kind of had some iffy issues with his vision, uh, but he was fitted with glasses, could see an accident, took his vision when he was young. Um, his parents refused to consider him as unfortunate and they continued to treat him as the child that they had had prior to him losing his vision. Um, and his father said to him, always tell us when you discover something. Hmm. Isn't that cool? And so anyway, he grew up and he discovered after he had, and this is a quote, I had completely lost the sight of my eyes. I could not see the light of the world anymore, yet the light was still there. Hmm. He could still perceive light. And it, being able to perceive light with a sense other than his eyes allowed him to move around in the world pretty freely. Hmm. And he could hear the sound of objects. Uh, trees had a language. Um, mm -hmm. uh, he says the oak, the poplar, the nut tree have their own specific levels of sound. Um, and then he was you know, being a, a, a French person of a, of, in a certain time, he was caught up by uh, the Nazis and taken away to a concentration camp. And the anger and the injustice and the outrage of being there took away that light. Mm. His emotional state shut off the light. Wow. And so as he learned, uh, and he said he was running into things all the time, banging up against doors, tripping over objects in the middle of the floor. And so as he learned to uh, you know, let go of the emotional state of his being, the light came back and he could, quote, see again. Hmm. It's a really fascinating article. We'll link to it in the in the show notes so you can go read it. I was I was really uh, it's it preaches. It really oh, does. Yeah. It yeah. really does. Wow. It's an excerpt from her book, uh, Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, copyright 2014. So go give uh, it a look. Cool. So self smart, people smart, eye smart. Body smart. Body smart. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Anything else we want to try to put in here? Oh, one other thing you might be able to do, although really, again, this would have worked much better if you were gathered together, would be mm. to do this as a reader's theater. Mm -hmm. You could, if you're a very creative and theatrical sort of person, <laughs> uh, do this as a one-person play. Yeah. Um, you could, and, and you could, if, if you have the capacity and you definitely have the time, if you're not at work right now, well. um, to maybe record yourself as each of these characters mm, mm -hmm. and then present that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. There's a way of thinking outside the COVID box. Yeah. I wonder if you could do it. it like if you're doing a, a Zoom uh, video um, conference, like we did. Uh, you it, did. You and yeah, your congregation. Yeah. Um, it, you could maybe do it as a reader's theater hmm. uh, because you have the ability to have different people do the uh, parts leading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could do it live. Yeah. Right then and there. Yeah. Cool. You'd want to practice that if you could. Yeah. Of course, but... Uh, well, either way, if you want to do it with your congregation or if you want to do it as your own uh, video presentation, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Nope. Is that good? That's good. Is that enough? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go on.
The New Testament or Epistle lesson for year A, Lent 4, is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. You know, reading over this, there's it's all about contrasting between darkness and light, darkness and light, darkness and light. So I kind of wonder, do you suppose maybe the author of the Gospel of John read Paul? Yeah, I and suppose. picked up this theme from him? Maybe. Because it's not possible for Paul to have read the author of John since he was before. Yeah. Unless, you know, he was a time traveler, which would explain some things. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, the theme for light, uh, or the theme of light, is all through these verses. Mm. In verse 12, Paul writes, It's shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. And then in verse 13, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, which... Uh, anyway, then it ends with sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What, what I was getting excited about yes. was that um, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. That is is either um, uh, it, there fluorescent light and black light. Oh, oh, yeah. So, like a, a couple yeah, about yeah, a yeah. month ago, we were getting ready for a youth retreat, and David was yes. putting together an escape room. Yes. And it was awesome. And one of the things that he wanted to do was have clues uh, on objects um, that the kids would find once they found a black light flashlight. Yeah. And they were supposed to find that first. And then you're like, hey, cool. What's this for? And then, you know, then eventually figure out, oh, hey, if we shine this black light on this, look, there's a symbol. Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. We we had quite it, a few things for them to yes to look at with that yeah I was thinking about that for this actually also so go ahead oh well there we go yeah. and so so that you know that might that's a good illustration yeah. of you know things that are invisible in certain lights when the light of Christ shines on them boy there is no hiding right um, so if you want to you could even demonstrate that as a special effect write mm-hmm. something in uh, uh, ultraviolet um, or uh, fluorescent markers on a piece of paper ultraviolet and then uh shine a, a black black light on it and yeah. you know hold it up for your camera on your computer right. so. yeah. <laughs> it's really difficult remembering that we are doing this online now and yeah. that all of these illustrations and special effects have to be o- over the internet as opposed to face to face gosh yeah. this is difficult yeah Anyway, so that was the thought. But could that also yeah. be even, I mean, that's an eye smart. That's uh, mm-hmm. um, for, for the idea of something seeing. Uh, you could talk about the science of ultraviolet light mm-hmm. and fluorescence mm-hmm. and bioluminescence. That's also pretty cool. Show some pictures of well, glowy fish. Yes, which is uh, an entirely different prospect. But. Well, yeah, but if there's a little bit of nature smart. That's how you would pull the nature smart into that. Well, yeah, yeah. If, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, yeah. actually, well, that, yeah, that's a whole nother illustration, though. Yeah. Uh, and oh, that, the bioluminescence of how that works. Bioluminescence, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That would be that would be fun to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, yeah. in the deepest darkness of, of the of the ocean ocean abyss, you have these creatures that light up mm-hmm. in order to either confuse prey, other right. predators, predators, or to confuse attract prey. prey. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, an and in the murky depths, not not all the way where there's no light, but in the murky depths, um, things show up in different uh, frequencies of light than mm-hmm. we can see. Right. 
and become either visible or invisible depend in that light mm -hmm. uh, that their predators can see or not see. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And it really makes me want to stay out of the ocean at night. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that I've ever choice. been in the ocean yeah. at night. Yeah. yeah, definitely a good choice, I think. Yeah. Um, um, so all of that could be an interesting way of, of getting into this uh, living as a child of the light. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I went ahead uh, a couple days ago, or yesterday, I guess we were starting to prepare this and, and then wound up not doing it. Um, the last verse, verse uh, mm -hmm. um, 14. 14, sleepers, sleeper awake, there, uh, I went, that made me think, that sounds like music. And so I went and I found Sleepers Awake by Johann Sebastian Bach. Mm -hmm. uh, the work is not based on this particular passage, but the, that phrase made me think of it. So you could play that music. Mm -hmm. um, maybe mm -hmm. to as a, a centering music or something. Mm -hmm. Or if you're working out the tech, have that play underneath while you get everybody signed up, signed on. And then verse eight, um, there is a hymn, I want to walk as a child of the light. So there's some actual mm -hmm. music, music to be used for this passage. Yeah. Um, you could talk about the experience of waking up to an alarm. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way different people experience that, perhaps, uh, and different conditions under which you might experience that. You know, if you've gotten a good night's sleep, then great. You know, the alarm goes off, you spring up, and off you go, ready to start your day. And if you didn't, then you're looking for that snooze bar. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, some people who end up having to set multiple alarms. And it's like, what does that say about how excited you are about getting going? On the, you know, or how um, late you stayed up? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there'd be some body smart involved with that, um, and uh, depending on what you used, I mean, you could have uh, audio recordings of some different kinds of alarms that people use. You know, the old wind up alarm clock, uh, the more digital meh, meh, meh <laughs> kind of thing. And then, you know, now with your phone, you can choose whatever the heck you want. Yeah. You can have your, you know. your favorite hit song wake you up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that could be interesting. And then what would that be? How in connecting that experience of waking up in the morning to rising from the dead and Christ shining on you and, Mm. Um, you know, comparing your day, your daily experience to the resurrection and hmm. that, how's that match up, you know? Oh, I like that. Yeah. That would be a self-smart. It gets there. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Let's go on. Psalm for year A, Lent 4, is one that we hardly ever talk about and hardly ever do. No one knows this psalm. Psalm 23. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on this side of the table. So when lightning strikes, <laughs> it'll hit you. Okay. It's Psalm 23, which is a psalm of David. And it's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do we need to go through it? I don't think so. Uh, maybe not. Uh, but Although do, I suppose a lot of people are reciting it in these days. Do take the time 
to work your way through it and don't just assume that you know it Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to use it. So, yeah, and I think it is one that's going to be uh, helpful to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It talks about some of the things that we're experiencing, the uh, going through the valley of the shadow of death, as it were, Mm -hmm. and uh, things being in great upheaval. It would be nice to lie down in some green pastures and still waters. Uh, as we continue to work our way through this semi-live, we've actually pulled together a bunch of stuff in, <laughs> in between the last take and this one for this. But uh, uh, let's go Not on. And we've got some ideas here for this. So uh, uh, I, can I start? Sure, go for it. Um, we'll start at the bottom with self-smart. Uh, this psalm, uh, you know, of course, you always read this at funerals and, and things like that and when people are in the hospital. And uh, as a pastor for some years, I I had done that, of course. And then my mom got sick with cancer and uh, was in the hospital dying. And I'd never really had an experience of this being a comforting psalm to, to me personally. Hmm. It was just the thing that you read, you know, and other people took comfort in it. And it's like, okay. But I never really got it. But the night that mom was in the hospital and we were uh, keeping watch at her last night with us, uh, I went to the chapel in the hospital and I read this psalm and it hit, it, it worked. It, I, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was about it that clicked for me, but I just had an overwhelming sense of comfort from it. Hmm. So, you know, I just want to share that as a self-smart experience and say that you need to know this psalm before you, you need the psalm mm-hmm. so that when you need it, it, it will make sense, I think. I don't know what, what you do with that in your preaching, but I might uh, make use of that because it's my story. But mm-hmm. um, anyway. You might have a similar one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this is so familiar. This is one of those texts that's kind of hard to pull apart because we, we know it so well. Um, but uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, there are at least four hymns in the 1990 PCUSA hymnal that have Psalm 23 as their basis. The, my favorite is, My Shepherd Will Supply My Need. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, go to your musical sources and, and find all the music <laughs> that uh, this particular psalm is is the basis for. Uh, I also went and, and looked for... Uh, how this might be sung in in Jewish uh, circles because this is a Jewish hymn. Of course. And uh, so we have a link for you for some cantors who are presenting Psalm 23 in a very lovely uh, tune. I'm sure it is probably, well, maybe it's Hebrew. It, they're singing it in Hebrew. The music itself might not be the ancient language, the right. ancient meter and time of David, um, but... I, I think when we did this last time, may well, no, we weren't doing the Psalms, but I know we've made reference to a recording of um, the ancient 
music that somebody found medieval manuscripts anyway mm-hmm. and that had and they figured out the musical notation so mm-hmm. that um uh, and that would have been going back from centuries before right so, it, so it, it, approaching yeah <laughs> closer than than we closer are closer than we are yeah, yeah. for sure um, yeah, and that could be a very fun uh, a way of chasing down this hymn too. Just yeah. you know, go on your search engine and 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 uh, uh, enter that uh, ancient Hebrew uh, musical uh, yeah. scores, and you will Psalm probably find, yeah Psalm twenty three. You will probably find a lot of stuff. Yeah, I had an idea uh, for a, a musical illustration that doesn't have to do specifically with music, but I was thinking about bands very popular bands like you know starting with the beatles and mm-hmm. the, their experience of having to run through the crowds after a show and people right. screaming and chasing after them and tearing them up and and whatnot and then getting to a safe room or their bus or some place uh where they could then just relax get a bite to eat and be themselves again yeah. and um, you know, I, I think they showed that in a couple of their movies. The, the Beatles fans did, reaching and, out and yeah, grabbing and, them. Yeah. Uh, getting chased and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and at first it was fun. Yeah. And then, it's, and then later there was screaming and yeah. running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, that experience might echo, uh, what's going on here in the Psalm, you know, mm-hmm. going through, the the trial of of these adoring threatening people <laughs> chasing after you and then getting to a safe place where right. you can just whew. yeah that's an interesting thought because usually when we think of Psalm twenty three we think of you know end of life situations yeah. and we don't usually think of this as a psalm that could be used any old time yeah 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 um I found just, a just thought of uh, playing Left for Dead. Uh, the, oh. <laughs> Video yeah. game with with zombies, zombies and yeah. uh, gang to the safe room. Yeah. Oh, oh, that is for sure. Because you're so tight, and it's like, ah, oh, get through, get through, get through, and you find the safe room, and everybody gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Very much like that. Might not want to use that one right now. <laughs> yeah. Might be a little too close to reality. Might, might be. Yeah. I found a uh, an essay called Sheep on the Run, written by Craig Barnes, um, back in, I think, 2002, he wrote this one. And he's talking about um, the way that we are, uh, we are the sheep. And he says in the part of his essay, he doesn't mind calling the Lord my shepherd, but I've never been too flattered by being called one of his sheep. <laughs> Said he'd rather be an eagle of the Lord or a cunning tiger or a sly fox. A sheep is not particularly intelligent and they scare easily and they tend to get lost. Although, hey, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, that's a. If the sheep fits. (laughs) But it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you could do a nature smart with, you know, talking about sheep. You could probably also maybe do a nature smart with uh, still waters and green pastures. Oh, sure. Uh, talk about that. You yep. could do a people smart, maybe a body smart with uh, the oil that's anointing your head. Because Ooh, nice. oil is used uh, with so many different ways in, in ancient times. It was used as a... Um, it was used, Salve. Yeah, it, it was used even to, um, you know, get rid of little... Uh, unwanted 
um, parasites. Yeah, uh, you pour oil on your mm-hmm. head and let it sit for a bit, and it'll suffocate all the lice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, on your body, same thing. Um, yeah. I know that the Romans would pour oil on their bodies, rub it in, and then they would use this thing a scraper. Yeah, that then they would scrape all the dead skin and the dirt and the yep. unwanted off, and you'd be all nice and smooth. Yeah. Similarly, with Body Smart, you might think about the difference between feeling afraid and terrified and feeling content and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought about some of the uh, movies and, and stories and such from science fiction and fantasy where a group has to get from one place to another and they have to go through a, you know, the valley of the shadow of death, whatever that is in the movie. Um, often someplace dark and scary with monsters and, and they have the hero out in front, the, the weapon wielding hero. The mines uh, of Moria. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Going through the mines of Moria or, um, the road to the dead, both in the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, or something like that, or, uh, um, the Chronicles of Riddick with mm. Vin Diesel, um, <laughs> Um, you know, those, those kinds of adventure movies and you've got the hero out there slaying all the beasties and as everybody else runs behind them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, I kind of got the sense of that in this Psalm too. Mm-hmm. And, and again, getting to the safe place on right. the other side. Right. Okay. Let's go on. The Old Testament for year A, Lent 4, is from 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 through 13. This is the story of David being anointed king of Israel. And it begins with the Lord talking to Samuel and saying, How long are you going to grieve over Saul? We're done with this. Get over it. Move on. And so he tells him to fill his horn full of oil and to set out and to go to Jesse the Bethlehemite because his, the king is going to come from among his sons. Samuel objects to that because, of course, Saul at this point in time is you know, pretty much freaking out and utterly paranoid. And Samuel knows that uh, making any kind of move to replace Saul is a very dangerous prospect. And so God provides him with cover. Take a heifer with you. Say you're going to go sacrifice and specifically invite Jesse and his sons to this sacrifice. So, you know, you get them there and then I'll show you who it is. And so they do that. And um, so the he goes to Bethlehem. The people are a little, the elders of the village are a little worried because they see Samuel coming. And it's like, um, you know, what's going on right now? Are you coming in peace or not? And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm here for peace. Let's have a sacrifice and be sure to invite Jesse and all his sons. And so when they all show up, Samuel notices each of the sons and God rejects all of them. Bing, 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 right down the line. And uh, he's like, wait, okay, God said the son is going to come from this guy. And so he says to Jesse, are these all your kids? And Jesse says, no, I got one little runt out in the field. He's watching the, the sheep. And I don't said, think that's what he said. <laughs> no, I'm paraphrasing, telling it in my own vernacular. And uh, so uh, Samuel tells Jesse, bring him in, brings him in. God says, this is the one. And David walks in hot and sweaty from being out in the field, probably not smelling all that great because he's been around the sheep. And here he is. This is the king. So 
lots of lessons in there about assumptions mm. and political intrigue and of listening to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, we're, again, we're doing this pretty much live. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, I think this is awesome. This would, for, for people smart and in a way for I smart, again, you could do this as a reader's theater. Um, mm-hmm. Like we talked about with the John passage, maybe assign it ahead of time for people to read. Um, or again, if you want to really stretch your creative uh, 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 sinews and muscles, do it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Do the whole thing as, as yourself. Um, I did come across an essay a little while ago um, written by a man named Scott McKnight, who teaches New Testament in Illinois, um, talking about how um, uh, Samuel, at the beginning of this passage, is still living in the past mm-hmm. and hasn't quite let go of the grief of things not working out right. And, you know, because Samuel was going through all that turmoil before Saul of the people saying, give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. Yeah. And Samuel's like, no, no, God's your king. And God's saying, you know, do it. And so, you know, he had to shift his... Well, God was kind of fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, (laughs) exactly. And so Samuel kind of had to shift his mindset then uh, to, you know, accede to the people's wishes and and anoint a king and find a king. And then this king turns out to be, you know, Saul. And it's not working out. And so, you know, it doesn't work out. And so Samuel is probably feeling some guilt and some grief over, you know, having participated in this. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I anointed that guy and look what happened, you know, and I wonder if there might be some, you know, some self-smart reflection allowed in that. When have you been involved in a situation that you knew was anointed by God Mm -hmm. at the beginning, but then completely left your control and it wound up being something that was, uh, you know, chaotic or, you know, you wound up having to backtrack and mend some fences because of that. Um, Yeah. You know, I, so that that would be something uh, worth would, pondering. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering here if he's grieving uh, because Saul is has been rejected as king, or if he's grieving about the whole Saul episode to, from the start with and right. doesn't want to have anything to do with another king. That could be. And God's saying, "No, look, do it. I've yeah. picked a king this time." So yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. This, the I, whole David Saul is. Yeah. And rework and work through all the. Yeah. Right. Previous story. Right. And 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 the whole David and Saul is who's king. I mean, there's a lot of. I, I mean, that obviously was a pretty traumatic and and eventful and um, formulating experience for the for the people of Israel because they recorded the whole thing. Right. I mean, there's no, you know, David was always king. There's there's this guy before him, yeah. and this is how that story came about. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's a, a lot to be learned in all of this. There's a long overlap between this story and when David actually becomes right. king, too. Right. Right. So. Yeah. And a lot of back and forth, but, you know, David becomes a courtier in Saul's uh, uh, household. And, yeah, you know, but, but we're... Yeah, okay, yeah. we're getting off. But anyway, yeah. um, uh, but anyway, as this starts, God is saying to Samuel, move on. So uh, one of the things that I noticed, if I may, mm-hmm. uh, is the numerology here that uh, Jesse... 
presents his sons, and Samuel goes through seven of them. And seven, of course, is a perfect number in Hebrew numerology, right? Uh, it's, it's the number of completeness. Right. And David oh, is the eighth. eighth. And that is unusual. Until we get to Easter. Until we get to the New Testament. <laughs> yeah, the eighth day of uh-huh. creation and all that sort of jazz, right? Um, but that that's a radical shift in, yeah. in a lot of ways if you yeah. if you pay attention to things like that. Right. And but that's there's a math smart. And they would yeah. have been. Yeah. So yeah. a little math smart there. And I'm not the first to notice that, I suspect, but but there it is. So yeah. um that may suggest ideas about things that we think are complete but aren't mm. or things that are perfect that but aren't. aren't they need to be done you know perfect in the sense that's over now finished complete <laughs> finished complete. complete right as yeah. opposed to perfect in um uh, uh, idealized yeah, terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, which is what the Amish always do whenever they, um, particularly the Amish women, they always mm-hmm. leave some kind of a flaw in the stuff that they do. They do, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the quilts, clothes, things like that. Right. They always purposely leave an error. Yeah. So as not to be, you know, above themselves. It's kind of a, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea, but there's also kind of a false sense of humility about that or a forced sense of humility. Well, you know. In some ways. Which, you know, uh, is not a bad thing to practice. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. We've gone sort of the opposite extreme, I mm, think. Indeed, so. indeed. Well, there's some I smart here and some people smart with from verse 6 on where Samuel is looking at each of uh, Jesse's sons and thinking, oh, this has got to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Lord says to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on his height of his stature because I've rejected him. The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Right. Um, yeah, and so kind of onward like that. I found a poem, this could be used for Music Smart, over at uh, Christian Century, called Eliab's Complaint. Um, mm. And we'll link to it, but essentially it's Eliab's, uh, the first the firstborn of Jesse, and his, his uh, from, told from his perspective, you know, I'm the firstborn, I've got all the qualifications, I'm a Goliath, I've, I look good, um, I had splendor grace, you know, I come from good roots, I was born in the right place, so how could my kid brother yeah. be the one who's <laughs> anointed? Uh, so we'll link to that so you can take yeah. a look at that. Or you know, even write your own poem from the perspective of any of the characters sure. in this story. You know, sure. talk about Samuel's grief and his inability to, or his unwillingness to participate in this again. And Jesse's probably fear as well as confusion. You know, oh my mm. God, this guy from Jerusalem is coming and he's looking for my sons. Yeah. What's going to happen next? How many am I going to lose? Mm. You know, kind of a thing. Sure. And the village elders. and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of interesting people smart perspectives. The mm-hmm. drama here is. Oh, yeah. Palpable. Yeah. Just dripping off the page. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. That's not too bad, huh? Yeah. All yeah. Right. Well, uh, blessings on your worship as you uh, continue <laughs> trying new things and yeah. being virtually present for your people. Be of good courage. And know that you're loved. 
Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please ask us questions or leave us a comment on our website, morethanhearing.org, or facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or send us a tweet at at morethanhearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions or maybe got an idea that you like even better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We'd love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship. Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website. They work together with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or good old RSS, or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org feed podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store or any of these directories. And of course, you can share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. So in the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. Good Productions.